0: Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Let me start off with a little, little bit of Bible trivia to test your Bible knowledge. I want to see if you can fill in the blanks of these verses. Okay, first off. He said to them, for truly I say to you, if you have blank, like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you, if you have faith. All right, next one. And without blank, it is impossible to please God. Faith. How about this one? The righteous shall live by... Okay, you're catching on. And I, I do love this verse. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our, our faith. Alright, well if righteous people live by it, and if we need it to please God, and if we can do the impossible with it, and if it is the victory that overcomes the world, then wouldn't you like to have a little bit more of it? So would I. And so I have good news. Today we start a four-week series on faith so we are going to be answering the questions about uh, faith what is it Uh, how how can you have it how can you get more of it and how does it work in the Christian life that's our goal for this four week series and today today's message is called the object of our faith the March 2002 issue of the daily devotional, Our Daily Bread. Has anybody ever read that daily devotional? A lot of us have. The March 2002 issue had a, a, a reading entitled, The Object of Our Faith. And I want to read the first paragraph of that because I think it helps us get our minds on track for where I think God wants us to go in this message. It says this, Suppose someone asks you to take a ride in his single-engine plane. You politely decline. Why? Well, you've heard that the plane has a history of mechanical problems and you don't have confidence in its safety. The pilot assures you that he fearlessly entrusts his life to it whenever he flies. You still decline. A few weeks later, the plane crashes and the pilot is killed. An investigation shows that the engine was faulty. That pilot of that plane had very strong Faith. He had certainty. He had assurance that his plane would be fine and that he would be okay. He had a strong faith, but his faith was in a faulty object. His faith was in a faulty object, and so in this message, the first of our four messages on faith, I want to show us the most. I think what is the most foundational truth about faith, and that is the power of your faith lies in the object of your faith the power of your faith lies in the object of your faith we all want powerful faith and in faith as we're going to see in this message and throughout the series faith is belief faith means to believe something to be certain of something to be sure of something that's faith but if i say do you believe if i just end my sentence there do you believe you can't really answer that because the sentence needs an object in the same way our faith needs an object I could say do you believe that Bigfoot is real or do you believe in UFOs I could say do you believe this or do you believe that and you would answer yes or no do you believe that George Washington was the first president of the United States of America our faith needs an object so I could say do you believe God cares about you. And that object is true because it's written in God's word. So you could say, yes, I believe that because the scripture says, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. That faith is faith in a certainty, in an object of certainty. And so our problem is not that we don't have faith. Think about this. Our problem is not that we don't have faith. Everybody believes something. Our problem is that we don't always put our faith in the right things. Power of our faith lies in the object of our faith. And when we don't put our faith in the right things, like the pilot, those are the times that we crash and burn in our Christian walk. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Tell us where to direct our faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, here it is, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This life is like a, a race. It's, it's, it's like a cross-country race. There are a lot of ups and a lot of downs and a lot of pits and a lot of obstacles. And the only way that we are going to succeed in the Christian life is if we do what this says, if we keep our eyes, our focus, on Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of different distractions, a lot of things that jump into our path, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And to the degree we look to Him, To that degree, we will have success in the Christian life because our faith will be on an object that isn't faulty. It's perfect. He is the perfecter of our faith. So a big idea here to take away is simply this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ as the object of your faith. I want to read Matthew chapter 14 A familiar account, because I think it illustrates this truth very clearly. It says in verse 22, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them, And in the fourth watch of the night, that's the, the darkest time of the night between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., He came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now pay attention to these next couple verses. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus asked the question, why did you doubt Peter? But he knew the answer. And we're told the answer in the passage. Where were Peter's eyes when he had power to walk on the water? They were on Jesus. They were looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of his faith. His ears were listening, listening to the command of Jesus when he said, come. That gave him faith. But here's what happened when Peter began to sink. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He put his eyes on his circumstances. I mean, it probably just hit him. I'm standing on water. And it's windy, and there's waves. And Peter looked from Jesus to those circumstances. And we can do the same. We can look to our financial problems, our sicknesses, our wayward child, just uncertainty of our future, and take our eyes off of Jesus and begin to sink. And it's not really that we don't have faith when we do that. It's more that we're redirecting our faith into faulty objects. Our faith is misguided at that time. And so when Peter began to sink, he still had faith, but he, he basically had faith in the laws of nature. I'm on water. Water doesn't hold up people. I'm going to sink. And he believed it. And that's why it started to happen. Faith is belief. So... The power of our faith lies in the object of our faith. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Now, you might say that was easy for Peter because Peter was standing in front of the person of Jesus Christ. He was physically there. And he's not standing right in front of me. If he were, I would be able to have the kind of faith Peter had. How do we keep our eyes on Jesus when he's not physically standing bodily in front of us, commanding us to do certain things like come out onto the water. Well, here's how we keep our eyes on Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What happened? Look again at verses 28 and 29 of the passage we just read. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water and Jesus said come so Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus see this is important because Peter knew that if Jesus Christ just spoke the word that there's power in the word of God God's word tells us God the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword it's powerful It's powerful. It always accomplishes what it sets out to do. And Peter needed to hear Jesus Christ say those words and that gave him the faith to do what Jesus said. It's no different for us. We might not have Jesus bodily standing in front of us but he still spoke to us. And he still speaks to us every day. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, so faith comes from what? hearing, and hearing through what? The Word of Christ. He still speaks to us today. He might not be standing physically in front of us, but He speaks to us through His Word by the Holy Spirit today. When Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples were Worried, they were thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to know what to do? Jesus isn't going to be right here with me telling me what to do like it's been for the past three years. And he said, don't worry. I'm going to send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will bring to your remembrance everything I've taught you. What does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit's job is to bring to our remembrance Everything Jesus Christ has taught us. He teaches us how to live through this word that he's given us. And this is why he says in this word that in this world we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the way he's told us to walk. And the Spirit of God will bring that to our remembrance if we are, as the scripture says, acknowledging him in all of our ways. And so... The Word of God works into our hearts and minds through the Spirit of God. But it's here and we need to learn it. We need to grow in the understanding of this Word. So for us, keeping your eyes on Jesus is keeping your mind on His Word. And the Spirit does the rest for us. Jesus is the Word of God. He's called the Word of God throughout the Scriptures. John 1, Hebrews 4 the book of Revelation says his name is the Word of God the person of Jesus Christ is the Word of God the living Word of God we have a perfect reflection of the mind of Christ contained in this book the Bible this is the written Word of God it's the perfect reflection of the mind of Christ so if you want to know what Jesus says if you want to look to him as the object of your faith you've got to know the scriptures You've got to know the mind of Christ. And that gives the Spirit more to work with because for Him to bring it to your remembrance, you have to know it. You have to know it. So everything that we need to hear from Jesus Christ for our life is contained in the Scriptures. It's sufficient for everything that we need in our life. Now I've heard people say, when I say things like this, I've heard people say, and it's usually people who think they're very spiritual. Well, you're talking about a book. You're talking about faith in a book. My faith is in a person. My faith is in Jesus Christ. And I'll think or say something like, okay, well, tell me where you learn everything you need to know about that person. Like, how do you know who Jesus is? How do you know what he would say? Well, it's just a personal relationship, they'll say. It's, he guides me by the Holy Spirit. okay. Well, how how do you know how to discern what's the Holy Spirit and what are your feelings, what are other spirits? How do we know this? We know it by the Word of God that He's given us to test the spirits. And so we need to know God's Word lest we be led astray and put our faith in faulty objects like the pilot. Sometimes we can desire to hear God say something so much that we look maybe outside of His Word for other, other objects, other words to put our faith in. Let me give you an example that is um, it's a pretty heavy example, but I think it gets the point across. In 1980, Harvest House published a book by a couple named Larry and Lucky Parker, and the book was called We Let Our Son Die. And it gave... Uh, the true account from the Parkers of how they withheld insulin from their diabetic 11-year-old son Wesley. And the reason they did this was because somebody uh, from, I believe it was the leader of the women's group in their church, gave them a word of revelation from the Lord that Wesley had been healed. They believed it. They Truly believed it. As a matter of fact, they believed it so much that they decided to prove it by their works. And so, they withheld insulin from Wesley. They stopped the insulin. And in the following days, little Wesley began to show signs of high sugar. But as he suffered, the father, Larry, writes that he grew agitated and would shout at Wesley... You show symptoms because Satan has put them there to test our faith. We're going to show our gratitude for this healing, and we're going to believe it. He had strong faith, very strong faith. Sadly, later that day, little Wesley fell into a diabetic coma and died. Even after Wesley's death, uh, the Parkers remained undaunted in their faith. They didn't hold a funeral for Wesley, they held a resurrection service because they believed that word of revelation that Wesley was healed. For more than a year they refused to confess that Wesley had died because of their strong faith. Now eventually the Parkers were arrested, they were tried, They were convicted of manslaughter and child abuse. And while serving their sentence, they came to the realization that their faith was misguided in a faulty object, not in God's Word. So they wrote the book, We Let Our Son Die. That word of revelation was not from God. If it were, it would have been written in the Scriptures and it would have come true. The Parkers had all the faith in the world and the person who gave that word was very well-intentioned but that faith was a faulty object. So if someone comes to you with, with a word from the Lord, what do you do? You test it. You test it against God's word. And you believe what God said and if it aligns with it, then praise the Lord. They reminded you of something that was true. and. We can have faith in it if it's in God's Word. Faith is 100% certainty. That's what faith is. Faith is you are certain. You have a conviction. You believe it. You can believe a lot of things. But it's a gamble to put your faith in something other than God's Word. It's not a gamble to put our faith in God's Word. If God says it, it's true. If we want to be certain, then we need to put our faith in God's Word. Christian faith is... Is simply believing what God says is true. Faith is believing God's promises. That's what Christian faith is. Subjective impressions are a gamble. And I will talk more about this next week. I want to talk more about healing next week because there's a lot of confusion about faith and healing. Are we guaranteed by God that we will be healed every time? If so, we can believe it. We'll talk about that more next week. God has spoken about a lot of things in this Word. So this kind of faith, faith in the object of what God has said, isn't limiting. Because God has given us all that we need for life and godliness here in His Word. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 tell us that God has given us truth for every situation we can face. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So if you want to have powerful faith you need to redirect your faith, your belief to God's promises because that's where the power lies. The power of our faith lies in the object of our faith. Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ but what has He said to us? So looking to His promises are really the only thing that's going to keep us afloat in this stormy world and He's given us promises for every type of wave that could come against us. He really truly has. We just need to know them and believe them. Uh, as I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I thought about something that happened a couple of weeks ago. Bill Bennett and I and uh, my dad and my son Abe were here at the church working and we were um, changing these stage lights up here. And a lot of them keep going out, there's some kind of problem going on. But we were up on this, um, the lift. We used to do it with scaffold, but uh, we bought a lift here at the church. And it's a, it's a great lift. Uh, it's an electric two-man lift, so it goes up. But I don't really like heights very much. Um, but I kind of wanted to get out of my comfort zone, and I wanted to just do it. And so I got up on the lift with my son Abe. That's not how he broke his arm with the cast, by the way. <laughs> But uh, when we got about 20 feet, 18 feet up there, um, that lift, even though it's, it's a good lift, it sways back and forth. It, the slightest movement you make, it starts to sway. And all I could think about as I looked down and saw the ground going back and forth was, I don't like this. I feel like this thing's going to fall over, and uh, I can't move. So what I did was, there's a, I don't know if you can see it, but there's, Um, a pole that goes across that the lights are hooked to. And with each one, I would reach up and grab that with one hand, and I would get Abe to help me and hand me the bulb, and I would change the bulb with the other hand. And I would look up and be sure not to look down. That's really all that we're talking about here. In this life, we need to look up. We need to look to Christ and his promises, not... Physically look up at the sky all day, but in in the eye of in the eyes of our minds We need to look to God not the things of this earth And we need to also when we look Reach up and and grab hold of something. I don't know if that thing would have would have held me if I had fallen but it just felt good to grab a hold of something and in the same way Jesus Christ, through His Word, through His promises, through His hundreds of promises in the Scriptures, is just reaching down, giving us something to grab hold of in every circumstance that we can face in life. And it's in those times that we forget to grab hold. Or maybe we don't know that promise. Or maybe we're not looking up, we're just looking down that we begin to fear, we begin to get anxious... We begin to fret and life gets out of control and eventually we, like Peter, sink. We need to look up to the Lord in faith and by faith lay hold of His promises. That's what He calls us to do because He is a perfect object of our faith. So with every promise, God is reaching out to us Offering something for us to grab hold of by faith. This is true with every situation that we face in life. And at the be- very beginning of, of our Christian life, this is, this is actually, isn't this how we got saved in the first place, guys? Isn't this the way that we all got saved? We got, how, how are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith, right? By God's grace, His ability the fulfillment of His promises, not our own, through faith in what He's done. This This is how we got saved. I don't think I have this in my notes for the projector, but in John chapter 1, let me read this passage. It says in verse 12, John 1, 12, it says this, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name. Receiving is believing. It's just grabbing a hold of what He offers. To all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of, the bl- of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He's the one who did it. And we just have to receive. That's the way we got saved. And that's the way that He wants us to walk out this Christian life. Colossians 2.6 says, just as you received him, so walk in him. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's walking. Every step is stepping on one of his promises. Every step in this life. You need to know what he said. That's the way we, we received him. I want to just reiterate that for a moment by reading a passage in 1 John that shows that we can believe and be sure, that's what faith is, that we're going to be in heaven with him one day. We're going to have eternal life. It says this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 9-13. through 13. If we, again there it is, receive the testimony of men, now this is talking about people, if we believe what they say, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne, concerning his son whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself whoever does not believe has God made has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony of God that he has born concerning his son what this is saying is you either believe God or you don't about what he said about his son that Jesus is the Christ the Messiah who Lived, came as a man, lived a perfect life, died for your sins and rose on the third day the gospel. You believe it or you don't. And if you don't, then basically you're saying God's a liar. He's not trustworthy. You don't have faith in that particular promise. And he says in verse 11, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Look what he says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? That you may know that you have eternal life. God wants us to be sure. That's what believing Him means. God said it. I believe it. It's settled. It's true. If you believe that particular promise, the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you're saved. And you have eternal life. And the wind and the waves can come on us at times. And they can make us doubt. Because really, come on. That sounds too easy. I mean, I feel like I need to do something. Right? But this is the way God designed it. So that he gets all the glory. And so that we're saved by faith alone. In Christ alone. How do we know? Because he says it in his word so the object of our faith for salvation is Jesus Christ and it's the particular message of the gospel which tells us that we can't do anything it's all what he did he gives us many many other promises in his word that we need to then believe to continue to live out this Christian life they're all in Jesus Christ But they're in particular words that he speaks to us that apply to particular situations that we're all going through in our lives right now. If we believe them, we'll act on them. That's what James tells us. Let's look at an example. We could pick any promise in Scripture. And I I brought this little book up because I like it. All this book is is Scripture, but it's the Bible's promises for life. It's just a bunch of promises that someone pulled out and compiled by category. So we could pick any of them that apply to us here today. We have to be careful. Some promises in Scripture maybe were made to some person in the Old Testament but don't apply to us today. We can pick any of them that apply to us today. And let's just pick one example. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here's what faith looks like. Here's what walking by faith looks like. This promise says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It's a clear and specific promise and it's for all of us here today. It's true for everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, do you believe that? You might believe that now. I believe it now. But what about when you're tempted and you feel like this is more than I can handle? What about when you Give in to that temptation and you don't take that way of escape. Do you believe it then? James says in James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18 so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, James isn't talking about believing the gospel because we're told clearly in the scripture that when it comes to believing the gospel for salvation, that is faith apart from works because we do nothing. But believe in everything that he did. But when we're talking about living the Christian life by faith, James is hitting the nail on the head. He says, Someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. If you truly believe God's promises, then that requires action on your part. Every time we sin, and given to a temptation. And all of us here have. We can all recall the last time that happened. We were not walking by faith. Because if we were, we would have believed God and proven it by our works. Every time we sin, we're looking to something other than Jesus Christ for our satisfaction, for our fulfillment, and for our ultimate truth. We're believing a lie. Adam and Eve believed a lie when they sinned, that's why they ate the forbidden fruit. They believed Satan instead of God. He's always tempting us and many times there are other things in this world that tempt us. Our feelings can tempt us. More on that next week because we often believe our feelings over God's objective truth. But whatever it is, if we're looking to that other thing, we're taking our eyes off of Jesus Christ and putting our faith in a faulty object. And our faith in Jesus Christ and His Word at that moment is as good as dead. And that's what James says. So, we walk this life by faith. But not just faith in positive thinking, or faith in your feelings, or faith in what someone says. Faith in what God has said. You could pull any promise in the Scriptures out. Any one of them. This is a specific promise. I've been leaning on and holding on to a general promise lately, and that is one I mentioned earlier in the sermon. Cast your cares on the Lord. Why? Because He cares for you. That's true. It's true, and I have to remind myself of that truth at times when I feel stressed or overwhelmed. And when I remind myself, okay, He does care for me, and He cares for you. And if we believe that, then we'll be able to let go because to cast a care, you have to let it go. You can't hold on to something and throw it. You have to throw it to Him. Well, the only way we can do that is if we believe that He really cares for us. And there are spirits and our feelings out there telling us lies. He doesn't care for you. If He did, look at what's happening. This wouldn't be happening to you. But He does. He does. And if we believe it, then we'll cast our cares on him. And when we do that, we'll have peace. His word says he keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. It's all about looking to the object of our faith rather than our circumstances, our feelings, or whatever else. So every time we don't take that way of escape that Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians, every time, without fail, every time. We're in some way, shape, or form believing a lie. We're believing something other than what God has said. If we believe it, we'll prove it by our works. We don't want to short-circuit God's faith by redirecting it to other things. So let's make sure that we're believing the right things. More on this next week. I want to try to answer some confusing questions about faith and I want to talk more about faith in going through trials because it's easy to have faith when things are going well. But when do we need it the most when we're going through hard times? So let me remind us of the truths that we talked about today before we end. One, the power of your faith lies in the object of your faith. Faith is assurance. It's certainty. It's being convinced. It's trusting in what God said. Our problem is not that we don't have faith. Everybody has faith. Our problem is usually that we aren't putting our faith in the right object. Like Peter... We have to keep our eyes on Jesus but for us keeping our eyes on Jesus means keeping our minds on His Word. Christian faith is simply believing that what God says is true despite our feelings and circumstances. It's believing His promises and with every promise God is reaching out to us offering something to grab a hold of in this shaky world. And we grab a hold of it by faith. So if you want strong faith, know what God has said. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. Don't look to your circumstances. Look to what he has said, whether it feels true or not. Let's pray and have the band come up for one last song as we pray. Lord, thank you for your very great and precious promises. Thank you that you've given us so many of them in Your Word. You've given us everything we need for life and godliness. I pray that You would help us to walk by faith, by stepping in every circumstance on the truth, by grabbing hold of the truth that You have given us to walk in. Father, I pray that You would keep our eyes on Your truth. And Your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, so we sometimes need You to turn up the brightness so that we can see in this dark world. And I just pray that as we do this, as we experience walking by faith and living by faith, that you would give us the joy that comes with that and that you would give us more faith in you. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.